The following is a presentation of the Eastern Michigan Sports Network from Learfield. Straight from the 734, it's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Your chance to get in on the action. Now, let's send it to the guys on the inside of it all, Greg Steiner and Alex Jewell. Grab those golf clubs and barbecue utensils, Alex Jewell. It's time for a little summer break. Season four started what just seems like a couple of months ago in reality, almost a year ago, Greg, and it's time for us to wind it down for the summer. You and I can't do it every week. We've been trying. We've gotten through almost the better part of 40 episodes this season, the most we've done. It's been an incredible ride. We hope that you've had some fun with us and our guests this year. Don't worry, not going away forever. Even bigger and better next year, I promise you, because our staffing situation will be better so we can focus more on some of the interviews on the Eastern Insider Podcast. But a really fun episode, I think, to close it out in a fun way as we head into the summer break. Talk about going outside the box of our usual. We we always bring you inside information. Well, we bring you the ultimate inside on the biggest super fan there is at EMU. That's right, Greg. If you've been to an Eastern Michigan event, you know who Carl Ebach is, whether you know him or you don't. You've heard his voice. He's been to 3,500 events. He's going to tell you all about that in our episode today. And we thought, you know what? We've interviewed so many student athletes. We've interviewed coaches. We've interviewed alums. We've interviewed special guests. Why haven't we interviewed one of the people who listens into this show? One of the very biggest fans you'll ever meet of any team, anywhere, any place. He is Eastern Michigan super fan Carl Ebach. You can usually see him chanting face painted, flag flying, white hat, helmet, baseball cap, whatever it might be. Carl Ebach is here today. The conversation's a half hour. It's a long one. So we're going to be really quick in this, this open. And I will tell you, I think you share the same sentiment. We probably could have ended up talking for like eight hours. I'm not even kidding. 3,500 events he's been to. He's had a very interesting life. He's certainly experienced a lot of things, highs and lows, but he loves Eastern Michigan. But you have to listen all the way through because at the end, he does say he's retiring one thing that he does at games from here on out. So we need your help on being that person that can pick up in Carl's shoes. That's right. And it's really a good interview because we do learn a lot about his personal story and his journey through the Marines and some of the hardships he's had in his life. Everybody has hardships. Carl has faced a lot of tough things throughout his journey. So it's really an inspiring story, too, because he talks a lot about the student athletes at Eastern Michigan and how much they've impacted his life, but why he is so diligent in trying to impact theirs. So a good interview with Carl Ebach. Make sure you stay throughout this episode and listen in to that and get to know Carl a little bit better. And then, Greg, it wouldn't be an Eastern Insider if we didn't talk some relevant sports as well. You and I both uh, had already mentioned there was a lot of action this past weekend. For the recaps of all of that, visit emueagles.com or your team-specific social media page. A lot of good events to cover and a lot of results to check in on. But one event that was big this week, Greg, was the outdoor track and field Mid-American Conference Championships. The men and women were in Kalamazoo. Second place and third place finishes respectively for those two programs. So we thought it'd be a great day to talk to the associate head coach for that program, Chris Best. And he was really interesting to talk to. We learned a lot about him and a lot about the famous program here in track and field. It certainly does. They talk, We talked to him about the six-time defending 4x100 relay team accomplishment in its own right to do anything once or twice, maybe three times, but six years in a row, Eastern's won that event. So great listen and a great show. We've got to get going so you can get into the show after this quick break. We'll have Carl Ebach and so much more on this episode of the Eastern Insider. 
For 82 years, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan has been and continues to be committed to families all across Michigan. By providing access to care however, wherever, and whenever they need it, Blue Cross is here for it all and always will be. As we wind down this season of the Eastern Insider Podcast, hard to believe, Greg, we're already up to that 35-episode mark, and at some point, it's got to end for the summer. You and I need a little bit of rest and recovery, just like our student-athletes, but we always try to do some engaging interviews, and if you've ever been out to an Eastern Michigan game in almost any sport, you've seen our next guest. He is somebody that, you know, you and I say we bleed green and white pretty, pretty heavily. This man might have us beat. Carl Ebach is our guest today. If you've been to an event, you know who he is. You've seen him flying the flag, wearing his different hats and helmets, and cheering on the Eagles he might be every one step of the, of the way. People that have seen more EMU sporting events than I have. That is true. Greg has been here for the better part of 20 years, a little bit over now, getting yeah, close, close to that 20-year mark, mark, almost to that 23 mark. Carl has been around for a really long time, and he's been at the top of the list in terms of cheering on the Eagles. First and foremost, Carl. Thanks for joining us on the Eastern Insider Podcast. It almost seems fitting that for all the games of cheering you've put in, that you get now a chance to join us here on the Eastern Insider. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I've been to over 3,500 home games, all wow. sports. 3,500. Not 35 people, 3,500. <laughs> you know, most people, Carl, if you said, I've been to 35 collegiate contests in my lifetime, that's a pretty decent number. That's really good action. 3,500. We're going to get into all of that. We, we can't recap every single one that no. you've been to and there's there's some that we don't want to <laughs> recap for sure but we're, let's first start with a little bit of your journey give us your background because I know you've had an interesting life up to this point where where, where are you from where did you grow up what did you do through through high school and after high school and then how did you find yourself in Ypsilanti Michigan uh let's see I was born in Hazel Park uh raised in Port Huron uh I'm an orphan my mother and father were divorced my father had custody and when uh, my older brother and I were three, when I was three, uh, my father abandoned my older brother and myself when I was six. Hmm. I was on my sixth birthday, that, by the way. Wow. That's, I don't celebrate my birthday. Uh, he, we, he abandoned us, and my uncle, his youngest brother, took us up to Port Huron to his younger sister. I try not to talk too much about that. I will not talk about that. And uh, it was bad, but I ran away and lived on the street and when I was 16. Joined the Marine Corps at 17 and two days, 17, two days old. Uh, and I, so I grew up in the Marine Corps, which is not a good place to grow up in if you really want to know. It's not a place that, where you learn good social skills, good skills like that. Got out, I lived in California for two years after I got out. Loved the desert, wish I could go back. Uh, lived for nine years in Denver. I was a uh, Denver Bears fan and uh, Broncos fan back there. Then uh, we went in the, they were still at ABA. I got to see the Detroit Pistons play. Wow. I was at the game, the high scoring game, 185, 186, something like that. That was, that was no defense whatsoever. Uh, I worked at a, I injured my back. I slipped, twisted, ruptured a disc, uh, operated on it, healed improperly, and that compressed my spinal cord. I was paralyzed and waist down for about 21 days. They were able to repair it. It, actually, it's one of the best things that happened to me because I was, I was being a 10th grade dropout, I was very physical, strength-wise. I worked at a tire recapping. I helped build elevators and stuff like this. I was very strong physically. I could deadlift 375. So I was, that's how I injured my back. I was so strong that when I slipped, I tried to catch myself, and I popped that disc. I heard it. 
top. Well, you've overcome a lot of odds and beaten. I know how many surgeries you've had over time, but thinking back to, to your no. Marine Corps days and, and the service that you, you've provided to our country, we can't thank you enough for, but what all, I mean, you've been a lot of places, seen a lot of things. What kind of jobs were you doing in the Marine Corps? In the, in the Marine Corps, I was an air, called an air strike controller, air traffic controller. I worked the tower for about six months on uh, Cherry Point, North Carolina, and uh, that's tough work. Mm. You're up in that tower. I helped save a couple of planes because my job up there was to make sure that they had their landing gear down before they yeah. <laughs> crashed into Ooh. the ground. And I, hey, his landing gear isn't down. <laughs> pull up, pull up. And, and, I didn't talk to the plane, I didn't talk to the other guy. Uh, I've had a couple crash, because I did radio work, had a couple, uh, heard him crash, that was, that's tough to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, then uh, that was at Cherry Point, I spent 10 months at Cherry Point. One field problem there, we, sometimes we work eight hours on, eight hours off, and that's tough work, as you just don't get to sleep, you don't get to any, because we had to drive back to the barracks, and we had to drive back, hour there, hour yeah. back, so you only had five, then you had to eat shower and then go back. So you had know, about four hours sleep. Uh, then went over to J uh, Japan. That was fun. I like Japan, love Japan. Korea, Philippines. I stopped in uh, Da Nang, Vietnam for three hours. I stopped over. <laughs> it almost got me killed. They uh, shot the plane down that took off after ours. Well, holy so. cow. You have got more packed into a lifetime than any of us, I think, can ever hope for. Okay, so all that being said, we've heard some of the places you've gone. And I did it twice. Been. You've done that twice. How in the world did you make the decision to come back to Michigan? Uh, a company I worked for called Storage Technology Corporation. I worked for them as a, a computer manufacturing. And I came back. They had a job open here. I hadn't been home in 16 years. So I wanted to come back and touch base, see what, and it wasn't a good and touch base with them, meet family, get with my mother I hadn't seen since 1969. That was 1983. In 83, I came back. So I got with my mother, found out about my siblings, some, some good, but some bad. Uh, then worked at uh, a computers engineer. I worked at Ford Motor Credit, uh, Northern Telecom, U of M computers. Then I moved on to, uh, then my back went bad again. It went really bad. Uh, they found me lying by, down behind the computers one day and they said, mm. you got to do something. So my doctor and I. But it took me so long to get Social Security disability. It took me six years to get Social Security disability. Uh, the VA picked me up back then. Uh, this was 89. I, t I didn't get my Social Security retire uh, disability until 94. They, I had to pay for my own MRI and uh, once they saw the MRI, they said, okay, well, we'll operate. Uh, but uh, I don't drink. I, I gave up. I used to be an alcoholic. In the Marines the military, you really drink. Uh, in uh, 1981, I was really bad. Uh, I don't do drugs and everything. So then in 1995, uh, St. Patty's Dre, March, uh, March 17th, uh, they operated on me again to fuse my spine. That was my third operation. Ten and a half hours. At Saint, at, uh, Dr. Papalopoulos, the nerve center at U of M did it, because uh, VA wouldn't do it then. Then, uh, you see, they put me in a body cast. That was November, uh, March, and I was in a body cast until August. I got with Michigan Rehab. I'm gonna, I, I, actually, I uh, skipped something. In 77, I went to Community College of Denver. 10th grade dropout, bad back, 
you got to have an education. Yeah. So I took two years of general studies to get me from a 10th grade up to a college level. And then I took two years of electronics engineering. That's how I got into Storage Technology Corporation. And then I got, so sorry about digressing, but. It's okay. It's, yeah. I'm, I'm dyslexic with dysgraphia, which is a learning disability. And, uh, but you told me yesterday, when you measure your IQ, it's off my, the chart. My, yeah, my high IQ is in the 150s. At the upper high, yeah. math. I used to win awards for mathematics, but I would fail spelling, writing and spelling Fs. I just couldn't do it. That's why I speak because I don't like to. I, I, I'm terrible spelling. <laughs> actually, um, actually, about 20% of the population is dyslexic. Yeah. But it's the difference between your high and low that makes you LD. And mine is 30 makes you LD. Mine is over 60, so. And I know wow. you told me you had the option to go to Michigan for school or come to Eastern, and you, uh, at I that chose point, Eastern. chose Eastern. Yeah. Do you remember, like, what was your first moment on campus like? What do you remember campus being like back then? Back then, yeah, because, see, I went to Michigan Rehab. Back then, they would pay for it. And the, young, the guy who was in a wheelchair at uh, Michigan Rehab, uh, Michigan Disability uh, Services, recommended, no, he said, we could pay for U of M or we could pay for Eastern. And I said, well, let me go look in the campus at Eastern. It was pretty uh, bare bone back then. Yeah, it's not and, what it is now. Oh, no, it was, it was really bad. Uh, not bad, but it, it was ancient. Yeah. <laughs> it was old. Uh, actually, I went to Sellers is where my first stop was because I wanted uh, computer-aided design. I wanted to get into that. But having a uh, bending, back then we still had drafting tables and bending over a drafting mm -hmm. table, I couldn't do it. Then I wanted to be a teacher, then I couldn't pass the art class. <laughs> I started working, uh, the, the real uh, thing that helped me is uh, I got in at the rec center at Eastern. I, I would, <laughs> as sellers, they, they took my transcripts from you know, University of Denver, Human uh, College of Denver, not University of Denver. And they, they looked at me and said, we'll give you a sophomore. I started here as a sophomore. And so I got into that. Couldn't uh, get caught up again, going back up to college level. Uh, they, uh, they had to discover, that's where they discovered that I'm LD because they had to give me a psych evaluation. And uh, so I got into uh, Jenny Clark, who's in charge of the disability services here. Uh, I met Bob Tehan, who was veterans and disabilities. And so I, okay, this sounds pretty good. A lot better than what U of M was as far as veterans and helping people with disabilities. How and much did, did a guy like Bob England help you? I mean, work at the rec, I mean, he was probably instrumental in, in a lot of things. Yeah, uh, yes, oh, very much so. And uh, yeah, he took a liking to me right away, I think because of, we were like in age. <laughs> but yeah, he was great. The whole, the whole staff over there was great, actually. Uh, uh, Chris, Christy, who was, well, Jackie wasn't there at the time. But yeah, it was, they were just going through a lot of major renovations over there at that yep. time, changing the whole front area. So you mentioned the 3,500 sporting events you've been to. Again, I can't ask you to recap all of them. Do first you remember event? the first sporting event the, you went to and how you got involved doing that? Uh, first one was the UNLV game. Charlie Batch and everything, and the, the way they played and everything was really, we won the game. It was one of, and uh, then there was a fraternity before this building was built here, the convo. Uh, they ran down and, and moved the Univell team. I said, oh, yeah, okay, this is going to be fun. <laughs> and you've never looked back. You've never kept looked going. <laughs> and one of the things that I think is really cool is, you know, you've become part of the fabric of, 
Eastern Michigan athletics. When people are around all the time, they look for certain players, certain yeah. coaches, and then they always see you yeah. in the stands. For you, it's had to have been special to get to build relationships with some of the coaches and the players over time. I mean, just talk about that from your perspective because I know that you get to know you're wearing an Eastern Michigan soccer shirt yeah. right now. You've been here the entirety of Scott Hall's career. You've gotten to, to see football grow. Just those types of relationships and what that means to you. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, uh, several of my favorite that I can't, there's its favorites were uh, Kim Barrington. Mm -hmm. uh, because of the way I was raised, we won't get into. Uh, I don't like to touch. I don't like to be touched. And she was uh, came up and out in the parking lot and, and gave me a hug. And I said, "Oh, I really don't." And she said, "I know." So I, that was <laughs> you don't like. So that was great. Susie, I remember Susie when she got here. Oh, that was the first uh, Toledo game. Toledo was beating everybody by 30, 35, 40 points. And we played Toledo, and we didn't win, but we held, we, they only beat us by 10 or 12 points. I says, we got a coach. <laughs> we have a coach now. And uh, let's see, Ben Braun, I knew Ben uh, well, and uh, the team then, Earl Boykins, uh, and uh, oh, trying to remember names is difficult for me. Well, I won't ask you to remember all the names because there's certainly, I mean, Greg and I can hardly remember all the names. And, and like you said, you've had a lot more experiences than us in that regard. But when you think about, when I think about you at games, it's not just that you're present at games. You are all in and loud. We've seen you with the face painted. We've seen you with your flag, cape, clothing. Why do you root so hard and so diligently for the student athletes? Because if they are willing to put in the time and effort to play for Eastern Michigan University, I can do no less. So I, that's, that's my ideology with that. It helps you know, as much as they think I help them with my cheering, they help me because staying active and staying involved uh, helps with my back. You know, I Sometimes I walk two or three miles down there uh, and uh, during the games, basket, basketball, even football, I try to pace and, and uh, follow. And it really helps me a lot. Helping them helps me, so it's tit for tat for me. I know that you, you get into it. You sometimes get on the refs a little bit. <laughs> uh, I can remember a couple times that you've, you've gotten on them, and they may have sent you packing somewhere else two or three times. Anytime you're at Savage Arena, they have a tendency to, to not like when Carl walks in the door. Actually, yeah, the fans don't. No, they've done, actually, the Blade had done three interviews with me. The first time they, they tried that part, you no, know, why do you, I said, no, no, no. Between me and the band, it used to go, that was this friendly banter. Yeah. And then their, their, their uh, cheer group, the guys in the mask, the, oh, yeah, the, the blue mat, crew, the blue crew, they're great too. We had fun. It's sometimes the parents are a little rough, but that's, that, but that, other than that, they, actually Toledo is really good. Uh, BG uh, is always good. Me and U of M don't get along. But that's that's another story. And uh, but other than that, I've been up to Central, uh, but they were good and everything. So it's it, it's always I try to keep it friendly. I don't once the game is over. Now the referees, a, a couple of times I did carry it too far, and I'm really if the referees are listening, I'm very sorry. I really am. And we can tell you they are listening because. Alex and I hear from them often when they're listening to our broadcasts or whatnot to let us know that they do enjoy a little hard ribbing from time to time. And I'm very loud. 
and I, sometimes I wonder if you guys can hear me. But oh, we can, <laughs> oh, we can <laughs> hear you. We can hear you. I can't. Well, you've talked about, you know, you mentioned when you first got to campus, how different campus is now. In a large part, there's a lot of differences, athletically speaking, now than, than when you first started rooting for Eastern Michigan teams. You know, it, we can talk about all the different programs, but I, one program we talked often about, uh, and it certainly has been visible in the last 10 years or so that's made such a difference is the football program since Chris Creighton took over just the level of success that they've had the opportunity to play in the postseason so much momentum there from your perspective what are some of the biggest differences now why is why has the the winning started to come I know we still need to win a little <laughs> bit more still need that MAC championship but You've seen a lot of bad football, too, in your day. <laughs> and I know it must be exciting, at least, to be able to cheer, knowing that we're going to be in the game. Okay. Oh, you have no idea. Uh, let's see. Before my last operation with 2018, I was a 139 straight home football games. I saw 25 wins. Whew. And 100. Mm. <laughs> so, so, yeah. It's, uh, the attitude he brings. Uh, the attitudes in the players. Uh, I've met several of them. I used to drive Uber. I used to pick up a few of them once in a while. And they always agreed great. They always had a good attitude, a, a very respectful. So I always have, have appreciated that. Now, do, we haven't touched on my nickname. I want to touch on that one. Sure. Yeah, I could say, nicknames, you're not supposed to be anointed. We've heard you have a couple different nicknames. I mean, we've heard EMU Superfan. Some people call you Crazy Carl. I mean, what, what do you prefer? Superfan is good. I like uh, that started women's basketball. I was walking through Bowen Fieldhouse, and I looked in at the floor, and I thought they were practicing, and there was two young ladies at the door. I said, no, they're playing a game. I, I looked in. There was nobody there. There was actually just a few parents and everything. So that's when I started women's basketball. They were actually playing a they real playing, regulation game. They were game. playing Miami, yeah. They were really playing a game. And, hmm. and I went in, and, yeah. and this is how much I believe in supporting my team. I was in there, and I was just allowed for them as I would for the men's team, and they appreciate it. So towards the end of the season, Tamika Randall, who was playing for us then, she came up to me and says, we have a nickname for you. It's called Superfan. I said, oh, great, thanks. That's <laughs> so, got to be pretty special to know that it was the players that, that players, appreciated the, it enough to, to come up to you and, and say that's, that. That's what makes that important. I'm, I've been called Crazy Carl for decades. <laughs> Long yeah, before you got to yeah, Easter, right? Long before I Crazy Carl, Radical Carl, because I get a little wild sometimes. What's been the coolest moment? I mean, I know you've you've gotten to, to call a play at the spring football game. You've thrown out first pitches. You've been there on the sideline. What's the moment that you really like? That was of great honor. The greatest honor, I, I'm glad you bring this up, because I was student with disabilities rep here at Eastern for three years. And I'm a big, uh, sometimes over the top, so you think I'm bad or over the top at basketball games, try parking in a handicapped spot and you're not handicapped. Um, but uh, there was a game we were playing, trying to think. Uh, but we used to give out T-shirts with, mm -hmm. and it, and the person. This was at Bowen, and you got to go up and shoot a basket. So this one, t uh, a people from uh, Eisenhower came in. A young man was in a wheelchair, close head injury, and uh, the assistant AD wouldn't let him shoot. And I said, No, that's not proper. If he wants to shoot, you should be able to. He and the AD said, No, he can't. He might get hurt. So I went to uh, uh, Jim Vick, and then I went to the president of the university at the time, Sheldon, I think. And then I went to the, uh, we had 
Carol Houston, who was temporary mm -hmm. AD. And we got together and we set it up. And if it was such a big game that he missed that if he had been there and had done it, I mean, it would have been all over uh, sports news. I mean, it was it was absolutely great thing to happen. But we waited for the next, had to wait for the next game. It's a big crowd, but there was no cameras there. Mm -hmm. And he was able to get up there and shoot baskets. And you got so many 30 seconds or something like that. So he kept missing, kept missing, kept missing. And then you know, people, the fan, everybody was cheering for him. I'm sorry, such a long story. And cheering for him, cheering for him. On the very last try, he makes the shot. Hmm. Very, and the place erupts in great. Carol Houston came over and grabbed me and hugged me and everything. And that's supporting people with disabilities is what I'm about. I was going to say, that's a pretty powerful yeah. story because... 3,500 games, all of the memories that you have, and your favorite one isn't even about you. And that's pretty cool, I think. That's something a lot of people would take the opportunity selfishly to tell a story about themselves with some of the things you've gotten to do. But that's that's pretty special. Well, I did get to do it. I got, no, I, I pushed people. I was able to negotiate people into doing something, which is really the big a big deal when you can convince people that the right thing to do is, is to do it this way that's the big deal it's i i can't couldn't agree with you more you know i think something that that we've always tried to do in our jobs because it's part of our jobs and that eastern michigan athletics even since i've been here has really tried to start doing more of is again connecting with people in the community connecting with people on campus really starting to get more support for the student athletes across campus you are the ultimate supporter across campus. You've talked about mm -hmm. your super fandom. You're always here. You're always cheering. You're always loud. I know you believe in deeply what sports can do for the university and the community and, and what fans can do for our student athletes. If someone's listening in right now, they listen to me and Greg every week. And so they probably think they're paid to say it. They're paid to say it. But from your perspective, why should people in this community continue to come out and come out more and support and be a part of Eastern Michigan athletics? It, it, for the value and the entertainment, just for the entertainment value, it's a great place. It's, uh, I helped get this convo built because I, I, I believe in athletics and I believe in our basketball team, our volleyball team, our uh, soccer team. Punch, a, a little plug out for the <laughs> soccer team. This is my birthday present. I, I'm wearing a, a shirt that, that the team gave me. Um, but it's, student athletes do so much for the community on there. So I see them out, they help me. Uh, I work with people with disabilities, with WISD, I'm a uh, teacher assistant, I was a substitute teacher for them. And I see them out there, they, they work with their classes, they work with students with disabilities and stuff like this. And it's a great way for students to learn how, uh, not only about, now you're gonna get me confused a little bit. Um, it's a great motivation for them and for the, for the people that I work with to see this. Uh, other uh, schools bring out, but the, usually it's club sports. Mm -hmm. We bring out, I have able to convince some of our top line sports to come out and be with these people. And they always ask, where's the team at? Where's the team at? But all, it's, I believe in athletic sports because it brings in a type of management skills for the student, student players. It teaches them, uh, not uh, health-wise, keeps them mentally fit, 
often I see non-athletic students are used to, mm -hmm. where they wouldn't be involved or anything like that, and they would become lassagaisical or anything like that. But the athletic parts of them keeps them motivated to do their education, which is really what's important in, in their life out here. A few more minutes with Carl Ebach here on the Eastern Insider Podcast. You look at, you've been in this area so long, where, now that it's summer, people are going to be out and about, where's your hidden gem of Ipsy or Washtenaw County that is your favorite place to go in the summer? Well, actually, I come walking around campus. I always, I park here, uh, uh, I, University Park, I took care of University Park for 15 years, I volunteered there. I have great, some great fish in there. I used to have some really excellent fish in there. If you ever want to feed the fish, bring them hot dogs. They love hot dogs. Really? How many picnic tables have you built over the years, too? Because I know you got a lot out here at the athletic complex. <laughs> uh, I've rebuilt two of them. There's, I keep rebuilding them, actually. Uh, two, I keep going to Lowell's and uh, buy some there, but they're junk during the last few years. When I was at the rec center, I rebuilt all of theirs. And, and we stored all there for about four or five years. Well, we missed you on the hill this year at baseball. It's nothing more than a Friday night with Carl on the hill. The fire was going, and then we're in, back <laughs> in the home run hut behind home plate watching you out in the outfield. <laughs> uh, I, one of the reasons they took down the hill, is what I hear, is because we were distracting the batters. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think it's a good thing that you're out there distracting some of the opposition batters. We saw the Central Michigan series this past weekend. We could have used you out in the hill yeah, distracting yeah. some of the central hitters. So, yeah, it's, but, yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't miss it out there. Last uh, COVID, I sat out there on opening day, out on a hill, listening to an old game on the, on the mic, because uh, the only person out there. That was fun. That shows you the dedication. Yeah, if dedication. It, there was no game going on, but still had to be out there. I still had to be out just there. Just because it's such a habit at this point. Carl, can't thank you enough for sitting down with us, telling us a little bit about your story. You mentioned already a couple of times, when people see you at games, you're intense. You're in the game. You're loud. You're yelling. But I also know that that doesn't mean you don't like when people come up and share their stories and ask you more about you. If people are at games, they should come and say hi, right, and, and approach you and get involved with your cheering. I think so, yes. It, it, it helps. It helps the team. No, they like to, no, they, they don't just come out there to play the game. They need, to, to, to prove my point, volleyball, my first volleyball game, very, nobody was cheering or anything. I'm, I'm standing up there. This was before Kim was on maternity leave. And I turned to this person, is it all right to yell? And she said, yes. <laughs> and I haven't shut up since. So. Is there an EMU sport you haven't watched in person yet? Rowing and golf. Okay. Well, we got lacrosse you can add to the list next year <laughs> yeah. now. But, yeah, it's, but then the only two I haven't been to. few tracks, but that's... Volleyball is, is a great one. To, oh, you got the people got it. No, that's a very action-oriented sport, and it uh, goes back and forth very much. Basketball. It, I get asked that a lot, especially from players, and I can't take sides. I, well, I don't want to take sides, really. I, they're all my favorite. I love all my teams, all the players. They're great. Uh, parents sometimes come up and talk to me and stuff. But, yeah, to cheer the team on, be loud. I do go green, go white, but I can't do it anymore. I'm sorry. Uh, it takes too much. It puts too much pressure on my back. Hmm. I have, I have uh, especially after this last operation. This it's just getting too bad. Well, there's a challenge for everybody. Yep. Carl has 
footed that bill for yeah. a long, long time, being the loudest in the arenas and the sports venues. We need more people to start coming out beginning next year because, unfortunately, our home events are done this year. But starting next fall, come out and start picking up the chance. Help Carl out a little bit. Carl, I cannot thank you enough for doing this show, but I also want to thank you because I think I, I, I know I speak for generations of student athletes and coaches here when we thank you for your dedication to Eastern Michigan athletics. So often the fans are the ones who are thanked the least, but they make the biggest impact. So thanks for being so dedicated to us. Thank you for continuing, continuing to support. And hopefully we'll be able to have conversations like this for years and years and years to come still. I got many more stories. Oh, we'll have you back again, no doubt about that. Carl could probably have his own Eastern-related podcast, and still he would have years of content to tell. Exactly. Well, there he is, everybody. Carl Ebach, Eastern Michigan super fan, as he prefers to be called. So when you see him... At your next sporting event, make sure to go up, say hi, and help them out with a little bit of cheering. We're going to take a quick time out. We still have more sports to talk on this show. Chris Best, Greg, he's an assistant track coach, and his women's team continued to impress this weekend at the MAC Championships. I've got a little bit of an inside. Talk about six straight golds for one of his units. We'll talk to him coming up right on the other side of this break. But not before we pay some bills with a quick timeout. You're listening to the Eastern Insider Podcast, the only show that brings you all things Eastern all the time. Looking for a ride? Trinity Transportation has the vehicle for you. From luxurious motor coaches to cozy sedans, Trinity Transportation is prepared to take you to your destination. Check out their fleet of vehicles at trinitytransportation.com or call 877-284-4200 to book today. That's trinitytransportation.com or 877-284-4200. Trinity Transportation, the official transportation provider of Eastern Michigan Athletics. On this episode of the Eastern Insider, we go outside and discuss the recap of the outdoor Mac Track and Field Championships with EMU Associate Head Coach Chris Best. Chris, welcome back from Kalamazoo. How was the the stay out on the west side of the state? Actually, it was pretty good. I, and I've been to seven now outdoor Mac Championships because uh, the one of the COVID got canceled, and this was probably the best weather I think we've ever had at a MAC championships all three days. So it was actually pretty good, just kind of being able to be outside and enjoy some good weather. Now we just got to have one at home one of these days, right? Yeah, that would be nice. In your eighth year in Ypsilanti, second as the associate head coach. What before we get into kind of the nuts and bolts of your your career, uh, walk us through what was the the thing that brought you to Eastern Michigan to begin with. Um, I, the biggest thing was, um, I had, I, I was at a junior college at the time and I knew that my aspirations were to go to division one level and, um, coach parks has a longstanding history of, of success in Eastern Michigan. So when I saw the job open, it's, I just dove in, I, I reached out to any and every person I could possibly think of that would know coach parks to reach out to her and, um, just let her know that I was interested. And she had a, a, a lot of success with, uh, with bringing up a lot of young coaches that have had success at the collegiate level after, um, after Eastern Michigan and have been head coaches and stuff like that. So I, I feel like she's done a good job of, of guiding people. So it's been, uh, it's been very um, rewarding so far. You know, that's one of the things that obviously a large part of your job is the performance on the track and in and around the program, but so much of it as well 
is going around the country recruiting kids to come here and continue the legacy of Eastern Michigan's largely put into place by Sue's dad. She's obviously continued it so well. And, and your coaching staff has, has done the same. We hear all the time, and it's maybe rare for a school like Eastern Michigan, but a lot of track and field alums will tell you in the track and field world, Eastern Michigan is a known name. And that's something a lot of sports even the ones that have had success here might not be able to say around the country. Is that what you've experienced now that you're you're wearing the green and white and recruiting on that behalf that the success they've had is is known, especially for a small school? Yeah, I think the the Olympic history, um, there's been a lot of times when I've talked to other college coaches and they've like, oh, they, they recognize the E. They're like, oh, Eastern Michigan. They was like, we I remember racing against them back in the day. And they mentioned names like Hazley Crawford and Earl Jones. And um, so I think there's a lot of high school coaches, collegiate coaches that just know the success of, of Eastern Michigan just because of all the legacy that uh, Bob and Sue Parks have had and success. And um, there's been a lot of times going on the road recruiting where um, recruits have come up to me and be like, Hey, I remember racing at the AAU national championships up in Ypsilanti. And um, actually one of our stud freshmen this year, Soraya Walks, she, uh, she wasn't able to come on an official visit to Eastern Michigan because of COVID um, last year and NCAA restrictions because of that. And she was like, yeah, she's from Florida. And she was like, yeah, I'm, she was like, I've already been up to Ypsilanti before I, I ran there at a, at a high school championship. So it was even, it was even easier to recruit because she was never able to come up here to visit, but she already had been on the campus before. So um, that kind of helps out as well too. Well, as a follow-up to that, you mentioned that when you were looking for jobs and and you saw that the opening at Eastern Michigan, you'd mentioned the success that Sue had had had. Now you've gotten to work under her for this stretch of your career and have gotten to, to grow professionally. What is it about Sue Parks and this program uh, that continued to, to keep it on the national stage? And, and what has it been like getting to then be a part of that staff and learn from her? Uh, Sue, Sue's very, um, I think she had a good predator um, growing up and understanding what it took from a coaching standpoint um, to get to that level. I think she she never allows us to to settle and be complacent with where we're at. It's always uh, like, let's do more. Let's what can we do to be better? How can we keep working towards those goals? And I think once you you have a certain levels of success, it's easy to sell the the school and and the coaching staff um, from that regard. As two people that weren't blessed with great speed, and Alex and myself, I mean, uh, we we are measured with sundials, not stopwatches. But <laughs> you look at, at, at when you're recruiting somebody is. Is it immediately, is it speed? Is it teachability? What is it that most attracts you when you're, you're out on the road recruiting? Um, people who just want to be part of something special. Um, they're not afraid of going to um, a little bit of the cold weather um, up here in Ypsilanti for sprinters. It's, <laughs> we don't, we don't get to sprint fast out in cold weather. So it's, it's them understanding that the legacy, the tradition, the, what we are trying to accomplish is, is this is the goal. And I think that a lot of recruits are attracted to that of understanding. It's like, wow, a lot of people don't care what the weather is. They just want to win. They want to be somewhere where winning is important and um, they can excel as a student athlete. And we've had a lot of student athletes that have graduated and gone on and do bigger and better things. And I think they, that, that kind of sells itself to the recruits. So um, it's more, it's not necessarily what I'm trying, what they're trying to look for from us of more. So um, what we're looking for in the recruit of, who is an Eastern Michigan Eagle and under and them understanding what that means. Our listeners around uh, the Ypsilanti area around the country that are listening in, they may have had more experience of some of our other coaches. So when you think about a, a Chris Creighton, you think about how well he speaks to the team and he's an inspiring kind of coach. 
Maybe it's a Stan Heath in basketball that's got a lot of fire and he demands a lot out of his players. When they're thinking about Chris Best, what's your coaching style? What has made you successful in this industry? And how do you approach it on a day-to-day basis? Um, I think the biggest thing is just trying to get to know my athletes, letting them know that I care um, and not just them as an athlete, but them as a person. And I think with track and field with it being such an individual sport, it's, it is relationship based. It's how can I get the most out of somebody when I'm asking them to do something that is absolutely crazy, like run the hardest workout they've ever ran in their life to get them to understand that this is going to make them better. Um, and I think when they have that trust with their coach, it helps them to buy in and believe that with all this stuff that he's having me do is going to help me run 100 meters that much faster, 200 meters that much faster, 400 meters that much faster. And it's, and our sport is crazy because it's like, you train year round to run for a few seconds and that's what you do. And so it's like, it's a lot of pain. It's a lot of difficulty. Um, but I think for me, my, my personality is I want to get to know my athletes um, so that they understand that I want the best for them, even when the expectations or the workout is seems pretty hard. I think the expectations are, are pretty well set. You guys charged up the leaderboard on Saturday in the, the final day of the MAC championships, but six consecutive four by 100 meter MAC championship winning relay teams. What does that say for this program and its ability to dominate in some of these particular events? The buy-in. Uh, everything's about the buy-in. I think from day one, um, when I first got here, I remember the first MAC championship at Ball State. We had a really talented team, and I and I have thought and knew and believed that that team could win the four by one, and we just didn't get it done. Um, and every year after that, I told myself I was like, I never want to be in that situation again where. I, I felt like I let my athletes down by not putting them in the best situation to win. And so there on out, like I just dedicated a lot of time to, to, to the craft of, of talking to other coaches, talking to um, my, my fellow colleagues and peers of just what can I do to, to continue that success year in and year out. And then I think it, once we won the first one, the girls were hungry for the next one. And every time they get on the track, it's, this was the, this one was special because all four girls on this relay team were not on it the last time we ran it. And that was the first time in all of the relays that we had run in the four by one where this team was a completely new team. So we're talking about um, two girls who were on the team the previous uh, three seasons, but had never run on the four by one um, for us. And then uh, a transfer girl and a freshman who came in who had never run the four by one for us, obviously. And, um, and it's something that we never, I try never to talk about it to them on a regular basis of we got to win six in a row. We got to win seven in a row. It's just, they know that that's the, that's the goal. Cause we spend a lot of time on practice working on it um, so that we were prepared for every situation because this was not originally the team that we were projected to run when we first started the outdoor season, but we had some hiccups and some injuries and, and it resulted in a brand new team, just believing that they could do it and believing in, and each other. That's the most important part is getting four people to believe in each other that they can do it together. Spending a few minutes with associate head track coach, Chris Best on the Eastern Insider podcast. Coach, you talk about track and, and you've mentioned it earlier in this in this episode already about how much of an individual sport it, it is in terms of the competition. But I'm wondering, you know, 
again, we talked about your relay team, another area where maybe you don't coach, but we've seen somebody like Katie and Clark, who it seems like every single time she goes out is breaking a record on the men's side. Vinnie Magnuson has set national records, has set school records, continues to just break records every time it goes out. Those types of athletes, whether they're it's your event or not, or whether your student athletes are necessarily competing in those events or not, despite the individual nature of the sport, does it help elevate everybody else to see their teammates around different events, having so much success and setting the bar so high? Absolutely. I think that's probably the biggest selling point of Eastern is every day you run around that indoor track in Bowen and you see all the banners up there of all these great athletes that have walked on the same track and ran on the same track as you. And you have people who like, like um, Vinny, who is one of the most selfless people I've ever met. The man ran 40 laps this past week. And I was actually counting it the other day with, uh, with, uh, with Mark, our distance coach and, uh, and Vinny himself. And I was just like, I said, I think you ran 40 laps. We counted the laps, 25 laps in the, uh, in the 10 K and 12 and a half laps in the five K and then another three and three fourths laps in the, um, in the 1500. And I mean, he ran 40 laps and he did the exact same thing during the indoor season and exact same thing, um, with dominating in the cross country season. And, for, for the other athletes on the team, I think it's very inspiring to see a kid that is so team focused. He, he loves the individual success that he's had, but he's, he volunteers to do more. What else can I do for the team? Um, and then somebody like Katie and Clark, who she's just a great and wonderful person to be around. She's such a cheerful person. And, um, no matter the adversity she's ever gone, that she's gone through since her time at Eastern, um, she's always just kept pushing forward to be better and graduating, um, with a master's degree and an undergraduate degree degree in five years, she not only accepts the standard high on the, on the athletic side, but on the academic side. So I think when teammates see that they aspire to push themselves harder. Well, and that's a pretty good standard to have within people in your own program, but it also probably doesn't hurt that. Listen, the last five times I've walked in Bowen, there just happens to be a current Olympian that's working out on the track that comes back. Donald Scott, always back. The, the alums of the program are still so invested. That's just another added layer. It seems like. Yep. It is. Um, I think that when the alums, a lot of alums live very locally, like Fabian Rollins, who was an Olympian. So it's like he he pops by, his kids go to a local high school nearby. So I think it's just, they they love the atmosphere, the culture and the community of Ypsilanti. And I think that's something that our athletes have seen and, and feel and, and why they've been able to enjoy their time here. One of the alums we haven't yet mentioned was uh, Paralympian last year in Brittany Mason. How much uh, are you able to continue to see and keep up with her and her development, get her maybe ready for that next Paralympian? event? Um, Brittany actually, she still trains with me. Um, so she's still here every single day. We just have practice earlier today. And, uh, and, and Brittany, she loves the girl. She loves the team. She actually came out to the conference championships to support her teammates, um, who are still a lot of her close friends. So, um, it was really good to see her out there and, um, she still trains in Bowen field house every day and she's getting ready for the next uh, world championships and Paralympic games for the, um, for them. So yeah, she's another girl who came here. She's still here. Um, uh, three hours away from Cleveland, Ohio. And so she gets to go home and visit her family whenever she wants to, but um, hoping that she can win a, another national title, title here in about three weeks or so. You've got a, a lot of accolades already in your career. You've been a part of a lot of championship success that continues to define the program at Eastern Michigan. But you also talked earlier about the mindset of not being settled and continuing to be hungry. You asked that out of your student athletes. What is that that keeps you hungry as a coach? What are you still working towards accomplishing at Eastern Michigan that maybe you haven't gotten to do yet? Um, 
I think, well, this is only my second year coaching the men. Um, I think one thing that would be um, an outstanding accomplishment if, if we can do it all at the same time would be winning a triple crown on both sides. I think that's, that's kind of what keeps me hungry and that keeps the staff motivated is let's like in the kids. It's like, that would be probably the, probably, I think one of the biggest moments is like, yeah, it would have, it'd be awesome to have more kids at the national championships, but at Eastern, we're all about the conference meet and that's the priority. And um, we want to win double, triple crowns on both the men's and women's side. I know we kind of joked about it at the, at the beginning of the show, but as much development and building and planning that's going on around Eastern Michigan, I know one of Scott Weatherby's long-term objectives is a new outdoor track as well as maybe an indoor track at some point. What do, what does kind of the future facilities look like and, and needs that EMU track is, is on the horizon to have? Um, I mean, obviously, a new outdoor track would be nice. A new indoor track would be nice. It's it's crazy to think the amount of success we've had with the facilities that we've had because, I mean, some of the other schools uh, in the conference are have good facilities, but we've been able to out-recruit them just because of, of, of what we have now. And it's like, I can only imagine what that would bring the program level to with, with those up, up, um, upgrades. Well, if there's anybody listening to this episode that's a big Eastern Michigan track and field supporter or knows people that are, you heard the man, let's help them out. And uh, I'm sure Scott Weatherby will always field the call if somebody's got a, a burning itch in their wallet that wants to help out Chris Best and company over in track and field. Coach, can't thank you enough for your time. I know it's been a busy year. I know you're still out there practicing every day. Congratulations on more success at the championships this past weekend and all, all the success that you guys will have in the years to come. And thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It is the last episode of the year. So Greg and I are going to take a quick time out. We'll come back and recap the incredible season of the Eastern Insider podcast. Thanks so much for listening in everybody. One final break on this year's Eastern Insider. There's only one place in the state of Michigan that takes you straight inside the locker room. And that's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Your chance to get in on the action, bringing you more coverage than any other program in the mitten. It's time to say goodbye for the summer, but it's not goodbye forever. It's just goodbye until August, but plenty of ways to still follow us and the show. Remember, you can always listen to any episode on demand wherever you get your podcasts. They're all available, all four seasons. And Greg, the show can only happen because of everybody listening in. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who has clicked, tuned in this year. I, I can't express how much we appreciate your listenership. The only reason we continue to do the show is because we know it's important to help reach Eastern Michigan fans all over the country and supporters. So we hope that at some point this year, we've brought you an interview or two that you have found entertaining. We're always open to suggestions. So for the year ahead, we're going to start planning that now, get ahead of it really early and have a really good show lined up for next year as well. Some changes, some things that are going to stay the same. All things will always point to Eastern Michigan though on the Eastern Insider Podcast. Thank you again, everybody. Greg, anything else before we head out for the summer? Yeah, our next shows will come to you from a remote location as we'll be recording at Mac Media Day this year in downtown Cleveland, not able to be at Ford Field. So we'll be at the House of Blues this summer, and we hope you will be able to join and listen to us when we come back to you in August. So have a good summer, everybody. Enjoy the holidays. Safe and happy 4th of July, Memorial Day, whatever it may be. And then stay tuned in the late part of July. We'll be back with you then for Season 5 of the Eastern Insider Podcast. 
This has been another edition of the Eastern Insider Podcast, powered by Learfield and presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Tune in every Monday for new episodes all year long. And don't forget to visit emueagles.com slash podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts for all of our episodes on demand.